2024 is about to be a huge year for Ellie De La Cruz. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, and my name is Jeff Carr. I am a lifelong addict and fan of the Cincinnati Reds, and I've turned that addiction into information for you. I want to thank you for making Locked On Reds part of your day. Locked On Reds is, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every single day, all throughout spring training. We were all throughout the offseason. We're going to be with you all throughout the season. This is now my sixth year covering the Reds on a daily form here on the Lockdown Reds podcast, and I'm happy to be bringing it to you. On today's podcast, Ellie De La Cruz is a budding superstar, and I will hear no other point. I'm going to tell you why. And we're going to talk about, is Noel V. Marte the opening day third baseman for your Cincinnati Reds? And later on in the show, we're going to look at the early options as college baseball season is beginning for the Reds at the number two pick in the MLB draft coming up later this summer. Before we get to all of that, I want to let you know today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New users can get $150 in bonus bets with their first winning $5 wager. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Where we'll get started today is with Ellie De La Cruz. If you bookmark insidethereds.com, if you're a frequenter of that website, you have probably seen my article about Ellie just came out on Friday afternoon. I feel like we do this. I feel like we as Reds fans try not to appreciate greatness. We try to put it down or at least cover it up to the point that if things don't work out, well, then we're just not as hurt by it. Jaded, maybe. That's the word. That's what it is. We Reds fans, we Cincinnati sports fans are jaded. We want to believe that what is awesome truly isn't nearly as awesome as we think it should be. Joe Burrow is case in point. Go check out our friends over at Lockdown Bengals for more on that. But there are plenty of people that are wanting to hate on him because he's dealt with a few injuries. The fact that L.A. De La Cruz had a low batting average and a high strikeout percentage seems to be all anybody wants to talk about. Seems to be all anybody's focused on with him. They think because of those two numbers, well, he's going to be a bust. We know. Well, we don't have to worry about what's going to happen the rest of the way. We don't have to worry about what he might do in 2024 because we've already deemed it that way. We've already deemed him a bust. Why? Why is this the way that we are? Why are we the way that we are? And I include myself in some of this, although I am far more optimistic than most. But I am far too optimistic to believe any of the slander, any of the nonsense that has been said about Ellie De La Cruz this offseason. Charlie Goldsmith put it succinctly in an article that he wrote. Ellie has had an amazing offseason. Coming into this offseason, David Bell knew what Ellie had to do. But he didn't poignantly tell him, get a better swing. He was able to kind of coach him along. This is how you work every single day during the offseason to become a better player. This is how you work every single day in the offseason to get yourself, get your body, get your mind ready for the 162. The, the, 
season in Major League Baseball is unlike any other sport. It's and, and it's a tired old trope, a cliche, all this other stuff, but it's true. It's a marathon. 162 games ain't nothing to shake a stick at or a bat or a glove. And Ellie found that out last year. Now, he didn't play all 162. He played just a shade under 100 games, but even that was a lot. And that was at the major league level. He still played some in the minor league level before that. It's so many games that there really is nothing that can prepare you for it. So he, like Andrew Abbott, who we are so quick to say, well, Andrew Abbott was tired. Andrew Abbott was fatigued. Fatigue really was a factor for him. And that's why his performance fell off a little bit. For some reason, we do not give Ellie that same explanation. For some reason, there are those that would jump and immediately say that he needs to be sent down. He needs to start the year in AAA. He is not one of the best nine on this team. First of all, anybody that says that is dead wrong. Okay? That's only coming from inside the house. The call is coming from inside the house. Everywhere else, when people are looking at Ellie De La Cruz, they see the star of this team. And you're going to say, well, Jeff, how can a guy with a batting average and this highest strikeout percentage be the star on this team? If that's who you think Ellie De La Cruz is, I welcome you to watch him very closely this year. Dude's going to go crazy because you're focused on the wrong thing. Look, statistics, and one of the reasons I love talking about baseball, baseball is my favorite sport in the world for a lot of different reasons, and statistics are one of them because there's so many baseball statistics. But you can take a stat or a couple of stats and support whatever opinion you've got. So I'm going to do that too. Because when it comes to Ellie De La Cruz, if you're looking at the average in the, in the strikeout percentage, then you're missing the whole point. Few rookies hit the ball harder than Ellie De La Cruz. Not just his hardest hit ball, but on average. In fact, on average, there were only two rookies that had enough bats to qualify, who had a higher average exit velocity than did Ellie De La Cruz. It was Gunnar Henderson and Josh Young from the Rangers. Josh Young from the Rangers, Gunnar Henderson from the Baltimore Orioles. Ellie's average exit velocity of 91.2 was also the same number that Francisco Lindor and Max Muncy had. Both of those guys are deemed very darn good hitters. So why are we focused on a couple of stats for Ellie and trying to run him down like that? You can even extrapolate. There were only two hitters in all of Major League Baseball, not just rookies, two hitters in all of Major League Baseball that had a harder hit, like the, the max exit velocity, had a harder hit ball than did Ellie. It was Ronald Acuna who hit a ball 121.2 miles per hour and Giancarlo Stanton who hit the ball 119.5 miles per hour. We think of those two guys as superstar hitters. Now, Giancarlo Stanton's lost a step. He's not as good as he was a couple of years ago, but he is still a feared power hitter. Ellie De La Cruz is a feared power hitter, and he should be. He is going to go off this season. Look, FanDuel's got him as the player that they're giving over-unders for, right, when it comes to different stats and things like that. And I think it's important to note that when FanDuel's paying attention to a guy like that, we should too. By the way, Tops, they, they just released their Series 1 baseball cards this past week. They also have a ton of different 
Ellie cards. I mean, whether you're talking about autograph cards, jersey cards, there's some jersey with autograph cards of Ellie. There are parallels of all different colors and, you know, shininess. There's the special stat cards and things like that. Basically, just about every sort of kind of baseball card that they make for different players, they've made for Ellie. They're not doing that for Matt McClay. They're not doing that for Christian Encarnacion Strand. They're doing it for Ellie because they see his superstar potential. So many writers and, and different people, when they look at him, they see his superstar potential. They know that this dude is electric. He's going to be the main draw for this team. He's going to show it because he's got the great tools. I mentioned his power. For those who don't remember, and I don't know how you could forget, dude's fast. Nobody else is faster in Major League Baseball. In fact, there's only one guy who's just as fast. The, the average sprint speed of Ellie De La Cruz is 30.5 feet per second. The only guy that matches him is Bobby Witt Jr. for the Kansas City Royals, and nobody has a faster, uh, nobody's faster than Ellie. In fact, nobody is faster and nobody matches him with a 90-foot split. So the time it takes him to run 90 feet, nobody else is as fast as he is. He is the fastest 90-foot runner as a left-handed hitter, and he's the fourth fastest runner in 90 foot splits as a right-handed hitter. Yeah, he's awesome. Ellie's going to be fantastic. The off season that he's had spending time with Juan Soto, spending a lot of time with Juan Soto, seeing how a guy like him who is at the top of his game, who is one of the best in the major leagues conducts his everyday business and then molding that into his own routine. Ellie has been working so hard for this year. He's coming into camp, hitting the ground running, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do during the season. You know, there's another guy that I can't wait to see, but he came into camp hurt. We got a little bit of an update on Noel V. Marte. Is he going to be the opening day third baseman for your Cincinnati Reds? We'll discuss that coming up next. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors because today's episode is brought to you in part by Backblaze. You know, in this digital world, the, the new frontier that is all computers and information and stuff like that, data is king, and you need to protect your data. The best way to do that is with Backblaze because they have made it their mission to make it easy to store, use, and protect data. They protect all the data on your machines automatically. Backblaze offers multiple resources, including restore options for rapid recovery in the event of data loss or ransomware. Start with a free trial today and then get unlimited cloud backup for Macs, PCs, and businesses for just $99 a year. Just go to backblaze.com slash locked on MLB. You can access your backed up data from anywhere in the world using Backblaze's web app or their iOS and Android apps. Few data protection services have the recommendations that Backblaze does. In fact, they are recommended by the New York Times. Inc. Magazine, Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Tom's Guide. So many places are saying to check out Backblaze. Receive fully featured, no-risk-free trial at backblaze.com slash LockedOnMLB. Go there, try it out, start protecting yourself from potential bad times. That's backblaze.com slash LockedOnMLB. 
Thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first lesson every single day. Every day is coming up on the next show. Spring training rages on. We are getting closer and closer to the first spring training game. What should you watch for this spring training? There's plenty. We'll get into some of it on the next podcast. And before we jump back into Noel V. Marte and his opening day aspirations, I want to remind you that you can check out Locked On Sports 24-7 because Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts like Steve and myself of Locked On, plus our national shows that cover every single league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, Noel Marte, we, we touched this uh, uh, on this a little bit in the offseason. Suffered a hamstring injury during winter ball. He was playing winter ball, trying to stay fresh, trying to, trying, boy, I can't say that, trying to stay loose for spring training, and he strained his hamstring. In fact, it was reported that he has a grade two hamstring strain. Now, they do not believe this will affect his timeline for opening day. They did, however, say he will miss the first five spring training games. It's worth noting that most of the time in your first couple of games, you really only play a few innings anyway. I'll be interested to see where he's at as we get into about you know mid-March, because if he's still only playing a few innings, then maybe we do see him miss a little bit of time. But Noel Marte, you will remember, is on a hitting streak. So if he is the Reds' opening day third baseman, he will enter the game with a hitting streak. 16 games to be exact. He was ending the season on a very high note. So I think there's a lot of us, including myself, that are very bullish on him. There are some folks that I've seen in the comments section that are saying that he absolutely needs to be their everyday third baseman. Ellie, everyday shortstop. Matt McClain, everyday second baseman. No Elfie Marte everyday third baseman. It might not work out that way because there's plenty of guys that can play multiple positions and things like that. But No Elfie Marte has shown his talent. He is still rookie eligible, which means he's still eligible for rookie of the year. We talked about his odds before. He's currently around fifth or sixth. He keeps falling because other people keep placing wagers on other players. I don't think that means anything for his actual aspirations of winning the award. I still pick him to be the NL Rookie of the Year this year. He's shown it defensively, at the plate, on the base paths. He does it all. And I really am excited to see how he plays. But the hamstring strain cannot be ignored. And I feel like there is two sides to this, where, number one, the Reds are trying to win now. The Reds are coming out of the gate and opening day, hitting the ground running, going 100% for the playoffs, to win the division, all that good stuff. And they need their best players. But there's also the development factor of Noel V. Marte and his career. Do you jeopardize his career by pushing him too fast too soon? And the Reds have depth. So if the hamstring is an issue in spring training, if it crops up, if it feels like they're pushing him too fast and maybe, you know, God forbid they have a setback, we really don't want to hear that word when it comes to Noel V. Marte. But... They're able to move some things around, and the roster is not going to miss a step. Because as talented as he is, the Reds have depth. And I don't think they need to force this issue. I think if you were to tell me that I needed to put a meaningful dollar amount on whether or not Noel V. Marte is going to be the Reds' opening day third baseman, right now, 
I think I'd say that he isn't because I'm erring on the side of caution with him. Not because I think that this injury is worse than the reporting or anything like that. I know the Reds are optimistic when it comes to prognoses of, of different players. We saw that with India. We saw that with Joey Votto last year. Remember in spring training, they were saying, Oh, you know, Joey Votto, he, he, he might play in some spring training games. Then we found out that was, that was silly that they even thought that. I, I think that we need to take this with a grain of salt that they're saying that he won't miss opening day. Because if I'm putting a meaningful amount of money on it, I would say he probably doesn't start opening day. He absolutely deserves it, though. There's two different arguments here. Is he going to be healthy enough, and does he deserve it? Because he 100% deserves it. Like, I, I think we're looking at Josiah Gray, who is a right-handed pitcher for the Washington Nationals, to be their open or their starter on opening day. And I believe with that, you're going to have uh, probably see Jake Fraley in the DH spot. You'll probably see Jamer Candelario at first base. So then the question becomes, do you play CES or do you play Noel V. Marte? That's going to be kind of tough because I almost wish that we would see Candelario as the DH, CES as the first baseman, Noel V. Marte at third base. But I wonder, because we saw it enough last year where Jake Fraley played DH against right-handed pitching, I wonder if that's how they run with opening day, assuming everybody else is healthy. But I think that Noel V. Marte has proved he deserves 140 starts easy at third base. Now, does he work in in other areas? Does he DH? Does he play some short? Does he play some second? Maybe. But he definitely deserves the lion's share of the time at third. We've seen some videos already from camp of CES taking some ground balls at third base and throwing them over to first. So he's going to play some there. Jamie Candelario is going to play some at third base because he is a corner infielder. He can play both first and third. And then he'll also DH as well. I think the lion's share goes to Noovi Marte. He absolutely deserves it. And if he's healthy enough, he should be the Reds' opening day third baseman. You know, with, with all of this excitement and all this hype that's on the present right now and the Reds going for the division, the Reds going for the NL Central this year, they're also gifted with the number two overall pick thanks to the draft lottery that Major League Baseball has instituted. Coming up, we look at some early names to keep an eye on in college baseball as the Reds look for their number two pick. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you about another one of today's sponsors, and that is FanDuel. FanDuel's got a great promotion on for you right now. If you join, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, and your first winning $5 wager gets you $150 in bonus bets back. FanDuel is a great way to enjoy basketball season. As we're going through college basketball season, we're headed toward the conference tournaments. There's only a few weeks left of the regular season, and then we've got March Madness. FanDuel is going to be all over that. You want to join in right now. Plus, you can get in on the action with NBA basketball. There's MLB Futures. Love the MLB Futures right now. The Reds, I mean, because of all the different projection systems, the Reds are actually kind of moving back. The, the over-under on their win total has moved down to 81 and a half. And in order, you know, a, a yes or no bet on whether the Reds will make the playoffs, yes is plus 140. Go check it out today at FanDuel. I would throw a few bucks on all of that. The, the over on the win total and yes, that they will make the playoffs because this is a good team, whatever the computers say. 
Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. FanDuel is an official partner of the NBA and the official sports book of Locked On. Remember, in between episodes, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and you can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. Steve will be back with us on Monday. He just wasn't feeling all that great today and had to split up the live show. So this one's this part's not live. We did a live Q&A. If you missed that, go check it out. Had a lot of great content there. But I also wanted to talk about the draft. So I brought in Lindsey Crosby to talk about what the Reds have at number two. All right, to wrap up today's show, I wanted to bring in Lindsey Crosby from Lockdown MLB Prospects because as much as the Reds are focused on this season, as much as the Reds are focused on trying to win the NL Central, get a playoff spot, get to October, they also have the number two overall pick, hashtag thanks lottery. So there's lots of options for the Reds to not only improve in the present, but also improve for the future because there's three big names to know. And then we may discuss, we may try to stretch outside those top three, but as college baseball season is approaching, there are three names to know for the Reds at number two, Lindsay of those three guys. And I guess part of this is what do the guardians do at number one, who yeah. is likely going to be there at number two. Okay. So the three big guys we're looking at is uh, infielder, Travis Bazana of Oregon state J.J. Weatherholt of West Virginia and Nick Kurtz of Wake Forest. And it's a little bit of a weird draft because Bazana and Weatherholt are both second baseman and Kurtz is a first baseman. And usually in those top picks, you're seeing shortstops and outfielders, you know, premium positions. But sure. these guys are just all really, really good hitters. Uh, if this was the Guardians two years ago, I would... 100% without a doubt, say Travis Bazana is the pick. He fits all of the models and exactly what they've wanted to do as far as guys with really good contact rates who have performed in the Cape Cod League with wood bats. He fits all of their models, right? But they've recently shown a little bit of a preference to go out and try to find some power because they just don't have power hitters at all. So it, the odds, like it feels like you're going to get either Nick Kurtz, the first baseman at number two, or one of those two middle infielders, Bazana or Weatherholt. And it, so it really comes down to which talent are you more impressed by? Which tool are you more impressed by? Because uh, the two, probably the two best hit tools in the draft are Weatherholt and then I think Kurtz. A lot of people say Bazana, but the best power tool is also Nick Kurtz. And then... There is an outside possibility, we'll get to it in a second, there is an outside possibility that Jack Caglione of Florida becomes uh, your option inside the top three because he's both a pitcher and a hitter, and he could mm -hmm. theoretically be really good at both. That's an intriguing notion. And, and I don't know, like, I think part of me is just really enthused. I know Nick Kurtz, the, the power, like you said, the tool is amazing. He's hit like a gajillion billion home runs in, in, <laughs> in college. So just to kind of extrapolate that out, I want to see exactly how many he hits at great American ballpark. So I think just not having a whole lot of deep knowledge about the other options there. Yeah. Nick Kurtz is kind of the guy who jumps out the most to me. Who's the guy for you? Well, the power for Kurtz does really stand out. So the 90th percentile exit velocity for Nick Kurtz, and ca caveat here is this is a, a metal bat or composite bat number. This isn't a wood bat number. The MLB average with wood is 103 and change for your 90th percentile exit velo. Nick Kurtz is sitting at 109. Now, again, it's metal, So, but you take a couple miles an hour down from that, you're still looking at a plus power hitter. So the power stands out to me 
But then honestly, you look at a guy like a J.J. Weatherholt, and he's not going to give you the defensive versatility of a guy to play shortstop. But this roster, thankfully, you have multiple options who could do that. What I like about J.J. Weatherholt, he's a career 381 hitter, but his contact rates are over 90%. So like overall contact is 90.5 and in the zone, 94% contact. He's just a contact machine and the power's not bad, right? He can, he can get to a ball, but the whole thing is he's going to keep everything moving. He's going to get balls in play. And this roster, I feel like can mitigate the, the defensive shortcomings where he's a second baseman versus a shortstop. This roster can mitigate that somewhat because you have so many shortstops between Ilya the Cruz and, I mean, Matt McClain, Noelvi Marte could do it, I think. And so uh, I think you're best suited to maximize what he can do and not be hurt by what he can't do. And depending on how quickly he would move through the system, I mean, being a top, you know, being the number two pick in the draft, you would expect it to be kind of fast. But mm -hmm. even that still, you're probably talking about the same time frame as when Edwin Arroyo comes up. That's another shortstop that he doesn't have to worry about playing that shortstop position. Um, I do wonder a little bit because this is always a debate that I've, I've, I've seen. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know that I feel one way or the other about this. Is it easier to pick a guy with power and teach him plate discipline or pick a contact guy and for him to gain power? Oh, that's a really good question. So the way that I look at it is which one of those can be fixed by just like sheer force of will and which of those the guy has to, you know, demonstrate improvement. So like if you don't have enough power, there is a certain amount of physical projection that we can put on you by a really rigorous workout routine, right? But if you have a ton of power and you're not making a lot of contact, there's usually multiple reasons for that. It may be swing decisions. You may be getting fooled by pitches that start in the zone and come out of the zone. It may be uh, you're mechanically getting beat on something like an inside fastball or a high heater. Uh, it may be you're recognizing it, but the decision, you can't, uh, you can't pump the brakes on the swing in time. And so I would rather take a guy that's a really good hitter know that our ballpark can help mitigate some power issues somewhat and that we have a limited ability to improve his bat speed and improve his power versus taking a guy that has a massive power tool and can't necessarily hit enough because like everydayers on my show have heard this a lot your power tool is only as good as your hit tool it doesn't matter how hard you hit the ball if you can't hit the ball so if it's me I'm taking the contact guy and getting a little better power out of them. But you can also look at the Cleveland Guardians as an example of a team where that's not really worked at the major league level to get them good production because they just have so so few so such little power production at the major league level. Now that makes a lot of sense. And I think there's a lot of people that are are wondering this a little bit. The Reds just spent a top draft pick on Rhett Lauder. Mm -hmm. uh, they've picked high the last couple of years, and they've kind of gone pitching with most of it. What are the chances that there's a pitcher available? I, I've seen some folks uh, assuming that the Reds may even go back to the Wake Forest well and go look at Chase Burns at number two. And honestly, there's a lot of Wake Forest pitchers. Like This could have five Wake Forest first-round picks, including their entire rotation. Chase Burns... Uh, Josh Hartle, the lefty, and Michael Massey, the righty. So I think all these guys are first-round picks, but right now, none of them really profile as the top of the first round. And I think you're kind of hurt here by being so high in the draft and 
being like the very, very top. It's, it's very rare. I think last year kind of made people think that taking a pitcher in the top three or top five is normal and standard, whereas Paul Skeens was seen as a generational-type talent, and I think that's the reason why he went number one overall. Usually, you're seeing hitters there, and pitchers are the next tier behind them. Uh, I, there is a possibility if Burns answers some of the questions that we have, and we know that the Wake Forest Pitching Lab, we saw what it did with Rhett Louder, we know the Wake Forest Pitching Lab can build pitchers and can make them into the best version of themselves. There is a possibility of him becoming a guy that's worthy of a second overall pick. But to me, I would much rather take the hitter there and turn around and pick up pitching in the, the back of the first and the second round in the third round versus taking it at the very, very top. Because if nothing else, that's a very large financial investment. And one elbow injury can ruin that entire thing. Whereas for a hitter, typically you don't see those career-altering injuries like that. And the last time the Reds, well... It's not as if they're picking this high all the time, but the last time that the Reds picked number two overall and they took a pitcher, uh, his name's Hunter Green. He, he's actually pretty good, and he's got some upside to him. Uh, yeah, he's not bad. I wonder a little bit because the more and more that I think about it, mm -hmm. I think it's between Kurtz and Weatherhold. I think you're right. I think Bazana's probably not going to be there. The, the two-way nature of Caglione, what does he have to show in college or is there anything at this point that he can show to prove that he sticks on as a two-way player? Is it just something that you draft and you have to figure out a little bit in your own farm system? I think it's something where he needs to show the major league viability of both paths. Because like it, it's very obvious right now, if you have him focus on one or the other, he has a very good chance of being successful. When you look at him as a hitter, uh, his, his 90th percentile exit velocity last year was 113. It's legitimately some of the best power in all of college baseball. But he also showed issues with uh, with chasing some pitches out of the zone and some swing and misses there, there as well. So like, yeah, 40 home run bat, but some issues. Pitching, he showed the fastball has fantastic velocity, 99-100. He's got a, a slider that is above average, I think, right now. But he's kind of missing that changeup as the third pitch. And as a lefty, you kind of have that. The mechanics are a little bit iffy and there's some control issues and stuff there. And so it's something where you could see one or the other working out. But I think based on some of the early stuff I've heard, and I haven't seen Florida play yet. They play in just a couple of hours at the time that we record this. Uh, I've heard that he's really cleaned up the mechanics this year. And so if he can show the ability to flash 40 homer upside, but also be a little more consistent in the zone on the mound. I think you're really looking at a guy that could jump up into that top group. And I actually talked in December about what does it take for Jack Caglione to be number one overall. So that's back in the feed. We had D1 Baseball's Mark Etheridge on. So go find that on our channel. Uh, great episode. We talked about Jack Caglione. He could do it. He has the talent. It's just a matter of which of the two is going to step up enough to give us the belief he could do both if he wanted this is just the first of many. It's an early look at what the Reds are going to do at the number two pick in the MLB draft. And again, like you said, college baseball is just starting up. Some of this might change. There might be a name that we're not ready for jumps into the conversation, but it sort of feels like it's between JJ Weatherholt and Nick Kurtz. Uh, definitely going to be talking about this more as it goes along. And you can keep up every single day with the draft, with college baseball, with minor league baseball on lockdown MLB prospects with Lindsay and 
you don't already do it, I, I don't know what you're waiting for. Go check. <laughs> That'll do it for this edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thanks so much for checking us out here today. Like I said, coming up on the next podcast, we're going to continue looking at spring training as games approach. There's plenty to watch with this team. We're going to tell you exactly what to keep an eye on as games get going next weekend. But until then, you can bet that we are going to be locked on Reds every single day.